0: Good morning ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my channel. We are in Rahu and Ketu, study part 14. Personal note before I get started. Why is this important to study, Rahu and Ketu? Why so many videos, why so much detailed study, right? First of all, I want you to remember and always keep this in mind, study Rahu and Ketu with regard to personal context of your life your personal context this is not something which is universally applicable to all people everywhere in the same way why we are born in different parts of the world we are in different countries different race culture religion so many factors so many personal circumstances that dictate your life so don't go to an astrologer and think some guy who presents you with a universal kind of a thing there is nothing like that Okay? There is no universal business. It's all individual. Earth is full of variety. Human beings are full of variety. And that's what makes it beautiful. So evaluate it in context with your personal life. Does it apply to you? How does it apply to you? How is this Rahu and Ketu playing for me personally in my life? With everything that is going on with me. That's the crucial part you got to keep it in mind. That's why I bring all this study material to you. So you can evaluate for yourself. Because I can't evaluate for you using your personal context of life. What defines you? Where are you born? Which country? What's your family like? What's your economic circumstances like? What is your race, culture, religion like? Everything defines how you think, how you act, how you will implement this Rahu Ketu in your life. Okay, let's get started. Part 13, we now come to the Rahu in Swati Nakshatra in Libra. In the heart of Libra is Swati, the independent one, the independent thinker, the traveler, the constant moving energy. It's a moving nakshatra in a moving sign. So you can't have more motile energy than in Swati. Swati are independent thinkers. They are originators. They are leaders. They are diplomats. They are seriously brainy people. Okay. And this is the brainy part of Libra. Brainy as an in intellectual brainism. Individuality is the key theme of Swati. The name Swati stands for me, who am I, individual. It's that Arcturian energy. If you are star seeds watching this, pay attention to this. Swati nakshatra stands for the Arcturus, the Arcturian constellation. Okay? So, Rahu in Swati, Rahu is first of all an unorthodox guy. He wants to do everything differently. He's very shrewd, very intelligent, very cunning, very clever. And put in Swati, he becomes even more amplified. The maximum amplification of Rahu, you might say. Swati encourages that originality. Swati wants originality. Swati wants individuality. Who am I in this whole circus called Earth? What am I here to do? What is my style? What do I bring to the table? That's Swati. On the other side, Ketu is sitting, goes between uh, Bharani and Ashwini Nakshatra. And that we shall examine in the oncoming slides. Now, if you're new new to my channel, you can like, share, subscribe, put notifications, and you can skip this beginning part, the introduction to Rahu and Ketu. I would suggest go through it once again because it refreshes your mind. What is Rahu and Ketu will follow, followed by the pie chart. Okay, analysis. So let's get cracking. So, number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, What is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon formed by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun. So, basically, if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. Yeah. So, these intersection points are called the north node and the south node they are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute so who is rahu the symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe right this is typically how it is portrayed in western astrology so i'm using the same symbol here rahu is mythologically depicted as the severed head of a demon symbolizing constant endless insatiable hunger and Appetite, be it sensual or physical, yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay, So it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing, since it has no arms or body or stomach, just a head which is alive. This gives Rahu the title of Bhogakaraka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits. So think any earth sign, for example, they want sensory materialistic pursuits. Or think any of the signs, literally, whatever they are after, Rahu wants that, and wants that very badly, and goes after it with everything. This is an energy in us, by the way, it is not a planet, it's a virtual node, but it will behave like a planet, which we shall see why. So it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something. It wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next. This is why Rahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things, not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in. Why? Because of that insatiable hunger. There is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it. That's Rahu. Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severe body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego, is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. As a result of this, it tries to hold and grab onto everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands. Ketu has got hands. It's trying to hold on to everything. But it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head. It's like trying to grasp onto everything, thinking, oh I want this or I am this, I am that, I am this. Not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there. Since it has arms and walks everywhere, it goes around through life, walking from place to place, people, situations, circumstances, but not knowing who or what it is. It doesn't have a head. This is why Ketu is referred to as Mokshakaraka or the Seeker's Path, the one energy in us which seeks something. That's why Ketu is called the Moksha Karaka, now this is the classical interpretation. Okay. Now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation. Very important to connect the bridges. Now, here you have the Rahu Ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation. This I have borrowed from the book Light on Life by Robert Sobala, excellent book. I have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it. I seriously suggest that. Okay, the north node of the moon, Rahu. What does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts? What does Rahu lead to in the modern context? Rahu is responsible for originality, individuality, independence, insight, ingenuity, inspiration and imagination on the positive side. Because Rahu and Ketu both love to explore foreign stuff, things out of the box, things not taught by tradition, Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things, looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So, Rahu on the downside becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, addiction, vagueness, illusion, and del- delusion. This is the downside. Now, how this plays out and why, we'll have to see individually in the charts. We'll see that. Okay? Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness, on the positive side on the downside it can lead to eccentricity fanaticism explosiveness violence unconventionality amorality iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions this is on the downside this is what it plays out and rahu ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there right rahu ketu let me remove myself for the time being from that axis okay there you are so you see it as an axis okay 180 degrees apart and it can play out in any one of the opposite houses it can play out in one, seven, two, eight, three, nine, four, ten, 2 8 3 9 4 10 etc etc we okay, will see that later But this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life in your different houses Are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see Okay to stand opposite to each other. So if it plays out in second house It detaches itself from the 8th house. If Rahu is in 2nd house, Ketu will be in the 8th house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the 8th house aspect with these aspects shown here. 2nd house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, If you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers, it has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition and what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra, which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means, since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own, remember it's a virtual node, it is not a planet, they both do not have any planetary characteristic individually. So they take on the identity or the disposition of the Lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that Lord sits in. Suppose Mercury is in the third house, okay, and Rahu sits in the house of Mercury somewhere else. So it will borrow the attributes of Mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house, wherever Rahu is sitting in. Got it? Nakshatras Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, Individually, they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's colouring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different coloured glasses. That they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which colour their propensities. So, Rahu and Ketu do two things at the same time. At the solar level, it goes with the dispositor. That is all of the planets, physical planets. Mercury, Mars, Venus, Sun, Moon so on. So they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting. If it sits in Rahu, sits in Cancer, it will. You have to look for where Moon is sitting, which house, and what it is doing there, and even the Moon nakshatra. If it is sitting in Leo, Rahu in Leo, that means it. You have to look for where Sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house. So it will bring those attributes. That's the way you have to analyze this. Okay. Let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why. Now there are some vital aspects that you need to keep in mind when evaluating Rahu and Ketu because this is important especially for people who are sort of looking for self-development to understand where they are coming from. If you are not interested in changing yourself, this entire channel is useless for you. But if you are the one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life, where do I need to go, what are my talents, and you question these kinds of things, excuse the noise somebody is drilling about, so... Then you need to understand these aspects. Now that's the typical chart, Indian chart. And house numbers are depicted as 1, 2, 3, 4, up till 12. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha is there. And I have stuck Rahu, Ketu as possible axis on the 1, 7. That is Aries and Libra, that is the top and the bottom. So either it can go to house number 1 or 7. Rahu, Ketu can be reversed, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Or in 4 and 10. Now, 1, 4, 7 and 10 in Vedic Astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are, that define how you operate in life, throughout life. So these become crucial. Why? The 1, 7 axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on your self and other concept. 1 and 7 is self and other, how you re- relate to yourself and how you relate, look at the world around you as others including the spouse, because 7th house is the house of the spouse, but also others. So how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others. So it defines who you are in a very broad sense. 1-7 axis of Rahu Ketu. The 4th, on the other hand, 4th house being the house of the mother, 10th being father, 4th being home, 10th being career. You see, this has a you know all kinds of implications which define who you are the 410 axis has effects on the heart versus mind mind wants to, is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the carrier. right you dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world heart is your home your home center where you feel comfortable home is where the heart is that kind of a thing So heart and home is affected by this Rahu-Ketu axis again Rahu and Ketu might be reversed Rahu might be in the fourth Ketu might be in the tenth or vice versa same way with one and seven But these are the vital relating aspects of Rahu and Ketu now, what about the rest of the houses? Now rest of the houses are called Trikona or Kona in Sanskrit, right? These are the things that come and go in your life let it be 2nd house, 3rd house, 5th house, 6th, 8th, ninth, 11th, 12th. These are the things that come and go in our life, through life, through your entire life. These are things that are added and subtracted from us. But this is not us. 1, 4, 7 and 10 is us. Everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes. All other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life. That's all it is. They are less significant in terms of Rahu and Ketu when compared to 1, 7, 4 and 10 axis of Rahu and Ketu. Please remember this. When you are evaluating, you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others. Rahu is attachment, Ketu is detachment. Rahu is expansion, Ketu is reduction. And they stand opposite to each other all this. Right? Now let's take the cases one by one. So as usual, we begin with the last pada of Swati, the fourth pada of Swati, which is going into Navamsha in Pisces. And we again come to the Artha-Moksha pada. Now this Artha-Moksha dynamic and Dharma-Kama dynamic, I'll cover it post after all these 27 videos are finished here. Yeah? Of all these nakshatras, I don't want to deal with it now. So go through all the post notes later on. Okay, so now... It is going from Libra to Pisces, from Natal to Navamsa in Rahu, while on the other hand, the Artha goes from Aries to Virgo. First order of business, dispositor. So what do you got to see? If you want to see this Rahu and how it's functioning in your chart, see where Venus is placed. Venus is rooting Libra as the air sign. Libra is the air sign. It's all about mental stuff. And Swati is all about mental stuff also. And so is Rahu all about mental stuff. So it's highly mental energy. And one more thing, if you remember, I covered in previous videos somewhere, is that when Rahu and Ketu are placed in movable zodiac signs, in this case, we are in the axis of Aries and Libra, both of which are movable. Aries, Libra, Cancer, Capricorn, these are moving signs. And they do very well, Rahu and Ketu both. Why? Because the, these two energies called Rahu and Ketu need a dynamism of movement. They don't like restriction. They will want to break out of restriction at all costs. So if it appears in fixed sign, for example, Taurus and Scorpio, it has trouble there. It feels like, I don't want to sit here. What is this restrictive place? This is the behavior of Rahu and Ketu in fixed signs. So anyway, so you look at the dispositor of Venus, first of all, where Venus is sitting and this Rahu is going to take the attributes of that Venus of that house and that Venus nakshatra and bring it here to this house and play in this way Ketu on the other hand now let's see Ketu transition because it goes between two different nakshatras first in this case it is Bharani it is going to second pada of Bharani what is the theme of Bharani here Bharani is learning patience, learning like the womb, symbol of the womb, one which holds things together, one which holds the child inside, not to let it drop off in between. The womb holds the child, that's the symbol of Bharani, the womb. So Bharani there itself should give you a life, uh, the, the wisdom that Ketu brings here to this Bharani is Virgo-like. That means they have a very grounded patience inbuilt in them. This Ketu will provide them the inbuilt groundedness. A very sort of strong, firm grounding within themselves. But they tend to ignore it. Don't ignore Ketu in your charts. It's very, very important. That's why I bring all these Ketu aspects also. So it brings in that grounded energy and that's what it needs to achieve what? It's going into Pisces. Now, the axis of Virgo Pisces, as I told you, is about materialism versus emotional contentment. Okay? So, when it goes into Pisces Virgo in Navamsa, it means this person later on in life will want to achieve emotional satisfaction. Pisces the last of the moksha signs ruled by Jupiter. So you've got to see where Jupiter is placed because this Rahu is going to behave like Jupiter, like wanting to be the teacher of emotional enlightenment, if you want to call it that. It's nothing like emotional enlightenment. It's just emotional wisdom. It wants to gain emotional wisdom. Jupiter stands for wisdom. Yes? So that's number 4. Now let's see what it does in Pada 3. Now in Pada 3, the Navamsha has ascended into Aquarius Leo, the father and the son dynamic, the Saturn and the sun, physical sun, who are father and son, but they have a kind of tussle. Sun wants all praise and appreciation for itself, Saturn wants everything for others. So it's that, that tussle going on here. Okay, so here, what would it do, Rahu? Again, first you got to see Venus where it's placed in the birth and in Namamsha, this Rahu will go into Aquarius where it wants to give to the masses. And Rahu does very well in terms of bringing from Swati that independent thought which the has a mass appeal. They can become powerful influencers, thinkers, coaches, counselors. Counselors is more of one-on-one, more of business coaches, more of wanting to bring original ideas, right? Something like Simon Sinek, for example, right? Wanting to bring original ideas and influence the masses, influence big corporations. Aquarius is for big corporations, the 11th house. On the other side, Ketu is sitting in Leo, in the Navamsha, means sun. Sun is a dispositor. Sun is a natural fifth house. So it's all about children. It's all about ancestral energy. It's all about creativity. So for this access to succeed, this person must go and bring their creative intelligence into bringing their original ideas from Swati Nakshatra wherever Saturn is placed and whatever Nakshatra Saturn is doing. Got it? Okay. Let's go for Pada 2. So now we come to the last Pada. Last Pada is about what? Kama and Dharma. So, Kama and Dharma, here we are talking about Sagittarius and Gemini in the Navamsha. By chart obviously, Venus and Mars, you go to see where they are placed. That will always be ruling. Navamsha is how it graduates or how it behaves with the spouse. We shall cover that in other series. So, here we are talking about Gemini to Sagittarius. What is the Gemini to Sagittarius axis defined? It's the Guru Shishya. It is the teacher and the student. Okay. Sagittarius is the teacher. Gemini is the student. Gemini is the one who is learning. Sagittarius is the one who teaches. Okay. The third and the ninth house. Right. So here what we got to see. First of all, Sagittarius and Swati. So it wants to bring in original wisdom, original thought. Swati is all about originality. Rahu is all about originality. Again, these people can become great thinkers, great writers maybe. Great influencer, not so much because Sagittarius is not interested in so much in influencing. They might be more like loners in this case. They might be more like seekers, seeking spiritual wisdom because Sagittarius wants that. And Swati wants to provide it in an original way, so they can become a little bit of loners. So, what does that Sagittarius need? What does the Jupiter need? It needs the assistance of Mercury. Mercury is sitting in the Kama Pada, meaning it has a desire. To bring intellectual knowledge from Ashwini now who is the initiator. What is the themes of Ashwini? This is the way, how we get clues from everywhere. Ashwini is the initiator. Ashwini is ruled by Mars so it wants to initiate everything. Now Ashwini here through Gemini wants to bring in that intellectual knowledge as an initiating mechanism meaning this initiator and original thinker dynamic will come in, initiator from uh, Ketu in Gemini and Rahu in Sagittarius. So you got to see where Mercury and Jupiter are placed and you want to bring the qualities of that Mercury into whatever house Nakshatra Jupiter is placed in, what it looks at from the fifth and the ninth aspect. That's how it works. Right, let me leave you with this much. Tomorrow or next, whenever, we shall cover the Chitra Nakshatra. Okay, meanwhile take care, be safe. So, in Palato, what do we see? We see the Navamsha. We are always focusing on Navamsha because the birth is the same. We are talking about Venus and Mars, right? Libra is Venus, Aries is Mars. So, you got to see those dispositors by default don't even look at me for that but now we are talking about Navamsha transitions because that gives the transit or maturity of Rahu and Ketu so Navamsha we are talking about and uh, Rahu Ketu we are talking about Capricorn Cancer so it's the mind versus heart the fourth and the tenth house it's all about mother and father it's all about work and home right that dynamic so we are talking about Rahu where it sits and in Capricorn also it does well in Navamsha because Capricorn Dispositor is Saturn, right? But here Saturn wants to get original, so check the nakshatra of Saturn where it is sitting and which house it is sitting in, that's where this person wants to bring originality. But Capricorn is slightly different from Aquarius, it's not so much about other people, it's about what work they must do as individuals, it's your individual career, work, job, business, etc. Capricorn is about 10th house, career, business, jobs. So think of that. On the other side, what does this Capricorn need? What does this Saturn need? It needs cancer. It needs to bring in that emotional counterpart, emotional reason why you need to do whatever you need to do. It needs the sanction of the heart in order to go towards that Saturn and accomplish it fully, properly. Okay. Let's see the last one now.